Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. really uh, loved focusing on the cross and the crown as we have done over the last few months and you know it, it, it features in everything that we that we talk about the cross of Christ and the kingship of Christ is it has to permeate everything doesn't it every aspect of our lives and um, there's a, a, some scriptures that I'd like to read today uh, because I would really I just want to encourage us uh, to lay hold of all that God has for us this morning and trust that this morning there's provision for us here in this gathering, that God wants to release things to us that's fresh and new this morning. And I'm really stirred and excited about that. God's got gifts for us, not just for mums, although there are gifts for mums as well, but for each one of us. If you just turn in your Bibles for a minute to uh, John 20, please. And uh, verse 24. And this is after the cross, after Jesus' death on the cross and his burial, his resurrection. And I can't help reading some of these verses and thinking that Jesus has a bit of fun with his disciples after he's got his... When when you've got a resurrection body, there's stuff that you can do that's just, well, it's just downright cool. Stuff that you can do that just... You still get to eat, and you still get to taste things, you still get to cook, and do, you know, do lots of interesting things, but you also get to appear in locked rooms when you weren't in there when the door was locked. And um, so Jesus has, has risen from, from the grave. He's in his resurrection body. He's risen in victory before his ascension. And it says, one, and he's, he started to appear to some of the disciples. In verse 24, it says, One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. I can just imagine him with a smile as he freaks them out and then says, peace be with you. He said, and then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, put your hand into the wound in my side, don't be faithless any longer, believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Can anybody relate to Thomas? Sometimes we kind of like look down on Thomas a little bit, or he's held as this figure, you know, doubting Thomas. But how many times in our lives have we also doubted in what Jesus can do and what Jesus has done? There are times, there are challenges, there are situations in life where we rely on what we see to believe. You know, that old phrase, seeing is believing, is a very common thing. When Chris 
spoke a few weeks ago about the, the fruit in the garden and, and Eve could see it and she could taste it and, and it was there, it was present and that was more evident to her at that point than God's word to not eat the fruit. Seeing is believing and it's true but I want to say this, believing is seeing. God wants us to believe when we've not necessarily seen it yet, certainly not in the natural, certainly not physically. He wants us to see things spiritually. He wants us to see the things that he said, believe them, and then trust that as we do, by faith, those things become real. They become a reality in our world around us. If you turn to 1 Peter 1.8, please. You know, if you're sitting here today and you're a believer, you've put your faith in Jesus, it's a fantastic thing. It's a significant thing. 1 Peter 1.8 Peter is writing to the, church and the churches in, in Asia Minor and he's encouraging them and they are facing genuine difficulty. They're facing physical challenges. They're being persecuted by those around them. It's real for them. By standing up for what they believe, people are turning against them. They're threatening them. They're persecuting them. Their lives, very lives are at stake. But they're still choosing to believe in what they haven't seen rather than believing what they're seeing around them. And Peter encourages them. He says, you love him, talking about Jesus Christ. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Just raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You believe that He's the Son of God. You believe that He died for your sins. You believe that He lived, that He died, that He rose again, that He went to heaven, that He's in heaven now, and He's living. The Son of God, the Son of Man. Put your hands down again, please. Peter says, you're so blessed. How wonderful that you believe in somebody that you've never physically seen with your own eyes. Somebody that you've never physically met in person, and yet you've put your very life in His hands. How blessed we are. You know, the, the, I don't know, have you, ever, have you been in a sort of a town center where somebody is walking around talking and you realize that they're on one of those weird, I'm going to say Bluetooth because I'm from Wales, but Bluetooth <laughs> devices or they're on a hands-free or something and they're chatting away to somebody who's not there and they just look really odd. <laughs> but actually, they're talking to somebody who is real, you just can't see them. And I think that's how people look at us as Christians sometimes. Except we don't have the Bluetooth in our ear to kind of make people feel more comfortable about it. But, you know, he's, he's as real as anybody on the end of a phone. And although we can't see him, he wants us to believe in him and to trust him. But the challenge is there are times in life when what's happening around us can seem more real than him. Challenges that seem bigger than he is, difficulties or issues, maybe even temptations, things that come into our lives that seem greater than the one that we look towards, the one that we worship, Jesus Christ. And if you've ever felt that way, it's okay. But God wants us to turn our eyes and look to him in those times. If you turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 27, this is the verse, or these are the verses that I just want to share on for a little while before we come back into worship. 
We, we, we spent a long time last year looking at the Psalms together, and it was, it was wonderful to do it. And um, I love the Psalms of David. I love how real he is. I love how honest he is. I love how gritty it gets. I love how passionate he is, and all of those things. And um, in, in Psalm 27, there's a fantastic uh, phrase that I just want us to really take from this morning. Psalm 27, verse 11 here you go. Actually, let's go from verse 10 because it's Mother's Day. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Yes. Isn't that an amazing thought? That even if family turn against us, the Lord will hold us close. And all the mums are saying, I'd never do that, and I believe you. But he goes on to say, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous, yes. Wait patiently for the Lord. You know, David was just like you and I. There were times when he had his highs and times when he had his lows. There were times when he had his successes, times when he failed, messed up. There were times when he felt loved, times when he knew other people had turned against him and hated him. There were times when he was honored. There were times when he was despised and threatened. He faced real adversity, difficult situations. And, you know, we mustn't assume that because we're following Jesus, everything's going to be rosy and easy. That's not the case, in fact. Oftentimes, because we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we will face opposition and difficulty and challenges from outside. And David is aware, adversity is waiting for me. He knows that the threats are real. He knows that he's got an enemy that's opposing him. But his prayer is this, before I come into this time of challenge, he's saying, Lord, teach me how to live. Lead me along the right paths for my enemies are waiting for me. He's saying, Lord, protect me. Don't let me fall into their hands. Uphold me because they're threatening me. They're accusing me. There are many challenges that will come at us, some from within. There will be internal challenges, battles with our own will, our own desires, the things that we might want to do that are not in line with what God wants us to do. Has anybody recognized that? Anybody? Just me raising my hand. Can you just close your eyes a minute? I've raised my hand. Internal battles. There are battles in the world that's been affected and influenced by sin. Sickness, death, hardship, poverty, lack, all of those things in the world. And there's a spiritual a battle that we're, that we're in. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, Paul says, but principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. There are battles to be had. And God wants us not to rely on our own wisdom. Far too often we, we, we rely on our own resources. What he wants us to do is before we face the challenges to pray, while we face the challenges to pray, and when we come out of the challenges to pray. Far too often I have been guilty of making prayer my last resort. Well, um, we've gone into our savings and uh, we've kind of shifted money around to different accounts and literally now we've hardly got anything left for the rest of the month Okay, Lord, please would you just help to meet our needs? Uh, we've got some real financial challenges. Or, you know, um, we've tried this medication, and then we've gone to see the doctor about this, and then this scan said this, and, and they've said that they can do this much, but that's all they can do, and they've reached the limit. And now, okay, Lord, would you please move in this situation? 
some, you know, there's nothing wrong with saving, there's nothing wrong with doctors and hospitals and their medical care, but if they replace our first port of call, if prayer is our last resort rather than our first, we're missing something. We're missing the provision of God for us as God's people. I just want to encourage us today. You know, uh, Stuart and Karen and I always say this, ever in a fix, Philippians 4.6. That ring a bell? Yeah. Ever in a fix, Philippians 4.6. Stuart's nodding knowingly. But he says this in Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. <laughs> don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Believe in the unseen. Believe in Him. No, I love David's prayer. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's my catchy title for this morning. That's all that's going to be up on the screen today. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Would you say that with me? I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David believed and then he'd see. Not, I'll see and then I'll believe. I'll see the goodness of the Lord. I believe, and therefore I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not some future point, but actually now, while I'm alive, on earth, in this life, today, I can see the goodness, the evidence of the presence of the love of the provision of God while I'm alive. I believe I will see it. In uh, another version, it says, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord. I would have despaired unless I believed. But because I believe, I don't despair. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Challenges come, and we have two options, despair or believe. People in the world don't have option number two, which should be option number one, to believe. The challenges are real, the difficulties are real, the threats are real, but there's something, there's someone, there's a provision that we can't see physically that if we put our faith in, we will see something of the goodness of God while we're alive. And I just want to share a few, seven instances in my own life where I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living, in my life. Number one, salvation. The greatest miracle of all that we've come into, but sometimes we forget how significant and wonderful it is. Our salvation, that we have been saved, saved from death, saved from destruction, saved from separation from God, and brought into relationship with our Heavenly Father through the work of Jesus Christ. Not only have our sins been forgiven, but He's put on us His righteousness, so that when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness, the perfection of His Son, Jesus Christ. I wasn't born into a Christian family, but I grew up in a Christian family. What I mean by that is when I was born, nobody in my family believed. By the time I was about three, most of my family had become Christians. The first person to get saved in my family was my, my aunt. And I'm sure many of you will have heard me share the testimony of how the gospel and salvation spread through my family from my auntie having somebody knock on the door and share the gospel with her. She closed the door. She didn't respond there and then. But soon afterwards, she gave her life to Jesus. And from that point onwards, the salvation, trusting in Jesus, just went through my family like wildfire. 
But one of the things before people started to get saved was this verse stuck out to her, Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And she held on to that promise. And she held on to that promise until her husband was saved. And then she held on to that promise until her brother and sister-in-law were saved. And her other brother and sister-in-law and their children were saved. And then her mother was saved. And then her father was saved. And her children grew up in a Christian home. She believed she'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. She laid hold of the promise. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And if you're here today and there are family members and you're saying, Lord, I want, my desire is that they're saved, that they find you, that they know you. There's a promise for us that you can lay hold of. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. If you know today there is a, a spouse or a child or a parent or a sibling or somebody in your family and you, you've been praying for them, you've been holding them before the Lord, you've been asking for, for God to save them, if you just stand for a moment, we're going to pray together. Somebody in your family and you've been praying for them. Maybe many members in your family. Just fix your eyes on Jesus right now. Just look to Him. Consider Him. Just look at Him. Look at the sacrifice that He made for you and for your family, for your loved ones. Look at the love that's in His face, the love that's in His eyes for you and for your family. Look how close He is, how real He is, how awesome He is. Lord Jesus, our prayer is open the eyes and the ears, Lord, of our families. Lord, as we stand together in this place, Lord, as we bring our corporate faith together right now, Lord, we say let salvation be released in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray open eyes and open ears to the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, right now. In our spouses, and our siblings, in our children, in our uh, other family members, and our parents right now, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, move on them right now. Minister to them right now. Lord, we bind any darkness, we bind anything that's blinded them right now in the name of Jesus, and we just say, let revelation come of Jesus Christ, and of His Lordship, and of His majesty, and of His love. In your name, Lord, we pray. And Lord, as we go today and talk to our friends and our family, Lord, let us be so clear with our faith. Give us fresh boldness, Lord, to share our faith, Lord, with gentleness and respect. In Jesus' name, we lift them to you right now, Lord. We hold them up to you right now, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. We don't have to save them. But Lord, we just pray for them. And we bless them and we love them. And we thank you for them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Thank you. Salvation. Second thing, baptism in the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, I don't actually remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I don't remember when I got saved. Um, I just know that I believe from a very young age, but I can't, genuinely can't remember the time when I prayed the prayer. When I was about nine, um, we went to this kids club in, in, um, in the summer holidays, and they scared us so much about not believing when Jesus returned, that I ended up giving my life to Jesus about 58 times in a week. So I know I've definitely done it. But no, I, I grew up, and, and I had a faith from a very young age. And when I was seven, 
We were at Dale's Bible Week. Some of you might have gone to some of those Bible Weeks back in the day. Uh, it was probably like 1982 or something. And somebody, uh, with, there was a real move of God in, in, in the gatherings. And we went back to the tent afterwards. We had a great time in the, in the kids' work that I was in at the time. And then some people from the church and my parents prayed for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And straight away, I was filled with the Spirit, speaking tongues. And it was so easy, because when you're seven, you just you don't question it. You just go with it. You know, and, but I want to say that today, it's part of God's goodness for you. Part of God's provision for you is to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Not just some of us, all of us. Jesus says in John 7, 37, If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. The prophet Joel said, God says, I will pour my Spirit out on some. No, all flesh. Men, women, young, old, servants, or not, it doesn't matter about gender or age or status, the Holy Spirit is for all of us. And if you're here today and you've now come through in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray with you after the meeting for that to be the case. And when we come back into worship, I just believe there's a provision of God for us. Yeah. You don't need anyone to lay hands on you because it's not me who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. Yeah. He said He'd do it. Yeah. And when we worship, I just believe there's going to be something for us in that. As I was praying for the gathering today, I just saw a canopy drop. I shared this in the prayer meeting this morning. A canopy drop, and from it was just uh, the, the words the Holy Spirit gave me, a low-hanging fruit that He wants to, in our worship, bring fruit that we can just take, that's going to be accessible, that's going to do us good, that's going to bless us, that's going to reveal something of the goodness of God among us. He's saved. He's filled. Thirdly, I've known his forgiveness. When I, um, not just in this one occasion, many times I've come back and if I've messed up and I know that he's forgiven me when I've repented. But when I went to university in particular, I um, was clear in what I believed and when I went there, I, I struggled. I grew cold in my relationship with God. I, didn't, I wasn't part of a church family very much. I drifted and I lost very much my closeness of relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus. It's not that I stopped believing. I just wasn't giving myself to that relationship in the way that He deserves, He's worthy of. And it affected me. And it affected the way that I lived. And so you know what it's like, the kind of sometimes the, the cooler you get, the further away you drift, and it kind of it just perpetuates itself. And then finally, I kind of realized I was pretty miserable. And... Um, and I'm not really a miserable person. I certainly hadn't been. And, and, and God really challenged me. And I was in a meeting, and there was an opportunity to respond, to recommit your life to Jesus. And there was a burning inside of me. I knew I had to put things right with Him. And I went forward. There was an appeal to come forward. And, and I, I just recommitted my life to Jesus. And it was an amazing experience, an amazing encounter with God, because He's so gracious. Because I just remember thinking, Lord, it's not that I don't believe. I've just ignored you. I've, 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 you. You've fallen right down my list of priorities, and I've, I've moved away from you. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I know better. <laughs> and I felt, I felt like I'd wasted a couple of years. And immediately, God spoke to me, and He, and he, he restored me, and I felt forgiven. I felt clean. I felt cleansed. I felt joy again that I'd was just, had, had been so lacking in my life. And I felt God say to me, the two years that you were away from me, I'm going to restore to you as if you'd walked with me for that time. And I just, I broke down. 
because I was in this conversation with God who I had ignored for two years, two and a half years, or relatively, and he just said to me, not only do I forgive you, I'm giving you back that time. What a gracious God he is. In, in Psalm 51, David says, after he'd sinned, he knew better, and he'd sinned. We know better. There are times when we make mistakes, times when we sin, but his prayer is this, Lord, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than the snow. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. I've known God's goodness. You might be here today, you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to say there's forgiveness for you, there's provision for you, that He wants you to know Him. Don't miss the opportunity today to do that. But I also want to say, if you're here and you've known Him, you've walked with Him, but you know that you've distanced yourself, you've cooled, you've gone cold, today in our worship, come back to Him again. Sometimes we see repentance as a negative thing. Repentance is so positive. Repentance puts us back into the position that we always belonged in relationship with God to put things right. I've known salvation in my family. I've known a filling of the Holy Spirit. I've known His forgiveness, the goodness of God in the land of the living. I've known, fourthly, His comfort. I had a great friend um, when I was in my mid-twenties, early twenties, a guy called Chris Sutton. And uh, I shared a house with him for a few years when we lived in Leicester. And he went to Bible school, was on his second year of Bible school. And he really did me good in my faith. Um, but over a period of time, he became ill. He became sick. And it was picked up very late by the doctors that he developed stomach cancer. And they tried to treat him, and they, they were too late to treat him. And he died. I think he was 24 years old when he died. And I was a, a year younger than him. And um, I just remember going to my bedroom when I'd heard the news of the house that we'd shared and, and just, again, being broken and praying and asking God, Lord, what, what's going on? How has this happened? How can this be? Why, why has he died? And, and all of these things going through my mind of trying to work it all out and trying to understand it all. And, and all I felt God say were four words, do you trust me? Four words, do you trust me? And it just cut through everything, and I just said, yes, Lord, I trust you. And immediately I felt a peace. Immediately I felt God comfort me in a way that I so desperately needed. And, and, I, and I was able to pray, I believe, effectively for, his, for Chris's parents, for his fiance, for his, for his uh, sister, and, 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 and pray for them. But I just knew God's comfort in that time. And there are times and situations where I know there are people here, you face things and you don't know why it's happened. But I believe God wants you to know His goodness of His comfort in your life. In, Psalm, uh, sorry, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. Isaiah 61.3 says that God ministers to those who mourn in Zion. There's comfort for you today if you need it, because God is good. He's with us. He's with you. He wants you to know Him. I've known salvation, known fill, filling of the Spirit, forgiveness, comfort, fifthly, healing. Some of these things are testimonies I've shared before, but just want to talk about God's goodness this morning. 
You know, for me, I, um, when I was in my teens, or sort of late teens, when I was at university, I developed a condition called plantar fasciitis, and I was a physiotherapy student at university, and plantar fasciitis means you get severe pain in your heel, particularly bad when you get up from the chair or get out of bed in the morning, and you hobble around, okay? And it really, really instills faith in a patient when the physio hobbles into the room, doesn't it? You know, I'm, I'm here to help you. And what I didn't realize, it was an early indicator to a condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which is a degenerative condition of the spine. It's hereditary, it presents particularly in young men. And um, it's degenerative, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And for a long time, for a number of years, I had back pain every single day in my lower back and in my, in my middle back, in my thoracic spine. I had a radioisotope bone scan, get me. I glowed in the dark for about a week after that, which is great. It's like the ready Brett kid at a certain age. And, um, and the doctors confirmed with blood tests and all of these things that I had this condition. But we kept praying. And I just want to honor Sarah, my wife Sarah. She kept praying. She fasted. I, any, any opportunity to be prayed for, I took it. Any appeal for healing, I went forward. I wasn't deterred. I kept pressing in. I was like, wait for the Lord and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord and be strong. That's how this psalm finishes. I'm going to keep going, Lord. Not seen it yet, but I'm going to keep going. There have been failures or times in the past that seem like failures, but I'm going to keep trusting that this opportunity, this is the time when you're going to heal me. And sure enough, I'm healed. After being in pain, not being able to run. Yeah, absolutely. Praise God. Being in pain for a number of years. I couldn't run. I, I walked like an old man. Sometimes it would really affect me and limit me. That's why I love running now. Because I just go out on the run. And I come home and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I can do this. You're so good. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 4, it was our sicknesses he carried. He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. By his wounds you are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. The goodness of God. I've known his provision, number six. Again, story we've shared before, but fits in with everything of, of seeing the goodness of God. That when I went to, to Bible school, um, we took a big drop in income. I took a year off working as a physio. Sarah just started and qualified as a nurse. We knew we were going to have a drop in our income. The first paycheck for Sarah was going to come in the month after my paycheck finished, or at least I thought it did. My pay came in from the NHS with a grand total of £42.50 for, my months, for our month's living, for our mortgage and our council tax and our bills and our food and our curries. No. <laughs> we had two curries and then we just didn't do anything else. We hid in the hole. And I just remember my... Rather than having £1,400, 52, it was £52 or something like that, or £42. And my stomach flipped. And again, it's one of those times, isn't it, where when I thought things were going to be a bit tight, but we'll get by, that's when all of a sudden I start praying. Because it's like, the NHS isn't going to provide for us now. And again, I just felt God say, who's your source? Who's your provider? And it was like, Lord, you are. That was it. Peace. And within a few hours, Sarah came home. She'd been with her dad. Her dad's accountant had been there, told her of a, a fund that her dad had put money into years ago that they'd forgotten about, that had matured to a grand total of £1,400. And she had a check with her to meet the needs of all the, the needs that we had for that month. And it set the tone for that year for me, for us. Because we kept dipping into our, our overdraft. We kept kind of finishing the month 
is it in the red, isn't it? It's been such a long time since I've been there, I can't remember what's going on. It, we finished the end of the month in the red, and we were like, right, this year we're going to put things right, we're going to steward our finances well, God's going to provide for us, and we're going to finish in a stronger financial position, even though our income is going to drop by £8,000 over the whole year, we're going to be better off at the end of it. And sure enough, I kept a diary, a little book, of all the gifts, of all the things, of all the money that came in, and sure enough, we finished with God blessing us. We were better off at the end of that year than we were beforehand. He's our provider. And you know, we love talking about God's provision, and the first time that we hear God being provided as, as Jehovah Jireh, the provider, is in Genesis 22, verse 14, but the fact is, it was after Abraham was about to sacrifice his own son. It's wonderful to talk about the romantic notions of seeing God's provision, but are we willing to entrust everything to God and say, I'm willing to give what you asked me to give. I'm willing to lay down what you asked me to lay down. I'm willing to make this decision and trust that you will provide. It was only as because Abraham had gone to the mountain with his own son, his own beloved son, that he was about to sacrifice, that God provided the ram that was to be killed in his place. Trusting in the Lord. Malachi 2.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. One thing Sarah and I would never have done at the beginning of that year was stop tithing. That's God's. That's the first fruit. That's His. And in that time, we were like, God, we're going to put you first. Here's your tenth. Thank you for the 90%. You're so good. And then God, in His creativity, stretched that 90%, moved that 90%, added to that 90%. And I don't know how we did it, how we did it. I just know that He did because we put Him first in our finances. Saves, fills, forgives, comforts, heals, provides, and lastly protects. When um, Sarah was pregnant with Martha, had issues and challenges very early on in the pregnancy, and we rushed to hospital. It was actually on a Sunday morning. And when we got to the hospital, Sarah was praying, and she felt God very clearly say to her, your little girl is in perfect health. Your little girl is in perfect health. Far too early to know whether Martha was a girl or not. But we knew in that moment God was protecting Sarah and God was protecting the baby. And um, we didn't have a midweek, midterm 20-week scan or anything like that to, to check the, the sex of the baby. We just knew we had a girl. And she was going to be healthy and strong. We didn't even think about boys' names. We had a nightmare coming up with a girl's name, but that's a different story. And sure enough, Martha was born in perfect health and is, is a little rock. And she, she's well, she's healthy, a healthy little girl. God protects. He's so faithful. He's so good. I believe we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There are challenges. They're real. There are situations that are real. There are temptations, they are real. There are things that we've done that have real consequences, but in it all, are we willing to turn and say, Lord, I'm believing that I will see. I'm believing that I will see your goodness. 
Can we just stand together for a moment, please? If the musicians would just come back to, to the stage, that would be great. There's something that God does in the corporate um, that's above and beyond than when we're just by ourselves. That's why we're part of a church. That's why it's important that we gather. That's why it's important that we meet in, together in homes, that we meet together here on a Sunday, that we meet together during the week to encourage and bless one another. And this is one of those settings as a corporate gathering of God's people. And uh, I've not asked you what to sing. I'm sure you've got something good. You are worthy? Okay, that's great. I'm just going to pray right now and ask Dave if you just start to play. And if you're here today and we've, we've prayed for salvation in our families, there's an opportunity, I believe there's, there's fruit here this morning that God wants us to take. He's going to make accessible to us to be filled with the Spirit. There's an opportunity right now for you to turn back to him if you've been walking away from him to recommit your life to him and know his fresh forgiveness and his love and his power and his joy flooding back into your life there's comfort for anyone here that's mourning today for whatever it might be any loss there's comfort for you I believe there's healing that God wants to release in our midst today as we worship there's provision for us and in, in, a, in a few minutes we'll come and we'll bring our tithes and our offerings. I want to see that as an opportunity of us laying things down before him and trusting him with all that we have materially. And there's a protection for us as well. That any, any adversity you might be facing, that the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night but that the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore as you look to him as you lift up your eyes and see that your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Just where you are right now, just begin to speak to Jesus. Just begin to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your healing power, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you that you're my protector. You're my shield, my strength, my strong tower. We've sung it already this morning. Just begin to speak to him right now. Just say, thank you, Lord. Bring back to your own minds the times where you've seen and known his provision. You've known his goodness in your own life. Just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for healing me. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.